episode 110, the most famous poster in the world. I'm Bob Keckeisen, and you're listening to the June 30th, 2010 podcast from the Kansas Historical Society. In this podcast, museum staff reveal the story behind the story about artifacts featured on the Cool Things section of our website, kshs.org. symbols for the United States, but the national personification of our country is a character known around the world as Uncle Sam. Since World War I, our favorite uncle has popped up on everything from government publications to shampoo advertisements. Join museum curator Laurel Fritch and me as we examine a very famous military recruiting poster featuring Uncle Sam and find out more about one of our best-known national symbols. And then, we're in the middle of World Cup fever here at the Cool Things Podcast, So in today's episode of Six Degrees of William Allen White, we want you to connect Mr. White with U.S. soccer superstar Landon Donovan. Did the Sage of Emporia play the Vuvuzela? Find out when we play Six Degrees of William Allen White. But first, the most famous poster in the world. Good afternoon, Laurel. Good afternoon. Well, today we're talking about a very well-known poster image from World War I, so um, can you describe it for our listeners? Sure. It's a pretty standard white background, and the words on it say, I want you for the U.S. Army. Go to your nearest recruiting station. And the main image that takes up most of the poster is of a man who has gray hair, and he's pointing straight at um, the person looking at the poster. And he's dressed in a very nice formal suit, um, all in American flag colors. And, of course, that means it's Uncle Sam. So this is your typical what everybody would view as Uncle Sam. Exactly. Oh, and I should tell people, if you uh, are not familiar with this poster, although uh, I'd be surprised if you weren't, uh, you can see it at our website. So just go to www.kshs.org and look under Cool Things, and you'll find it. So we know this is Uncle Sam, and I've read that although Uncle Sam isn't like an official symbol of the United States, Mm -hmm. he is sort of the national personification of America. So... Who's Uncle Sam? Where'd this guy come from? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, well, it's generally accepted that the character um, of Uncle Sam mm-hmm. originally got his name from a person named Samuel Wilson. And Samuel Wilson was a very successful meat packer from Troy, New York. And he lived during, I'd say, maybe the early 1800s. Um, okay, so this is quite a long time ago. This yeah, is- yes, yes, quite a long time ago. Um, and uh, Samuel... He and his brothers, in addition to doing a lot of things with meat packing and the meat industry, like mm-hmm. butchering the meat and everything, they also made wooden casks to transport their meat because it didn't do them much good um, to have a really high quality meat product and then have it spoiled by the time yeah. it got there. So throughout this um, process of building these wooden casks to transport meat, um, you often had to label that meat. and mm-hmm. um, so as a result of that, he would off he would often brand brand the uh, the wooden barrels. Mm-hmm. Um, Samuel was really widely known by his friends and his business acquaintances um, 
for being just a really great guy, had a great mm -hmm. sense of humor, just very friendly. And um, as a result of that, they sort of nicknamed him Uncle Sam. Oh, the actual guy, Samuel the, Wilson, yes, was known it, as Uncle as Sam. Uncle okay. Sam, exactly. And uh, during the War of 1812, um, when northern troops were headquartered near Troy, where Samuel was from, mm -hmm. they ended up getting a government contract to supply the soldiers with meat. And so, um, as sort of a, a result of that, he um, also got a position as inspecting the meat for the army. So, on all of these casks of meat, as we already talked about, mm -hmm. um, they would brand it. He would stamp the initials U.S. if they passed his meat inspection for you know, United States, okay. kind of. Um, but <laughs> because um, this bizarre Uncle Sam kind mm -hmm. of thing, the soldiers who got this meat started joking about how their meat was coming from Uncle, Uncle Sam. Sam. And okay. Uncle Sam got associated with the U.S. Um, and so even after the War of 1812, then people started to associate Uncle Sam with absolutely anything that might be related to the U.S. government. Oh, okay. So that's sort of how it happened. Okay. And um, so Uncle Sam has since joined the ranks of other countries' national personifications, you know, things like John Bull for England and Canada's um, Johnny Canuck. You know, oh, okay. Things like that. I knew John Bull, Johnny Connects. <laughs> a little yeah, new to me. Little, little, <laughs> sorry, I, I mean, I could throw out something else like there. Uh, Germania for Germany, yeah. or oh, um, I think it's uh, Mar Martina or something oh, like that for France. For the French. Yeah. Mariana, maybe. Okay. Anyway. Cool. Yeah, it's kind of interesting that the U.S. Uncle Sam's kind of like GI government issue became known for all the soldiers right. in the Second World War. So this is as far back as the War of 1812. Mm -hmm. We've got Uncle Sam. Okay. Yeah. Well, the image we're talking about today is probably the most familiar image of Uncle Sam. I think if you ask most people, mm -hmm. they would probably think of this particular um, um, recruiting poster. So who do we have to thank for this particular riveting image? Yeah, this rendition of Uncle yeah. Sam. Um, well... This Uncle Sam it was originally published as um, a, as part of the cover page for Leslie's Weekly, and um, they needed an image for the cover of their July sixth, nineteen sixteen issue about World War One, which was titled "What Are You Doing for Preparedness?" And so they got American illustrator and painter James Montgomery Flagg to come up with the magazine's image of Uncle Sam, and um, as a result of his imagery. Over four million copies were printed between 1917 wow. and 1918, so it was an extremely popular image. And um, so as the United States entered World War One, it started to be used on military recruitment posters. And that's the one we have in the collection. Right, exactly. Is a World War One. Mm-hmm, exactly, okay. exactly. Um, Flag, he continued to contribute um, as many as 46 different works to support the wow. war effort. And um, Flagg said that he modeled Uncle Sam after himself oh. so that he wouldn't have to pay for having a model come for him. <laughs> okay. Um, he told that story to Franklin Delano Roosevelt, um, and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt uh, liked that. He thought that was a, a pretty good uh, way of saving some money. Okay. Um, and um, as a result of um, the overwhelming popularity of this particular image of Uncle Sam, um, it went on to be used in World War II as well. 
Um, so it was it was really just an amazing story of um, Flag taking the initiative and getting out there. And um, really, he was very successful, and he was reportedly the highest paid magazine illustrator in the entire country. So they. <clears throat> So he turned this into a little bit of a, a little a little business profit yep. for himself. Yeah, yeah okay. exactly. Well, is this the museum's only Uncle Sam related artifact, or do we have other stuff? Oh uh, no, it's definitely not the only okay. Uncle Sam <laughs> thing we have. Um, Uncle Sam was so popular, and uh, that means that he shows up on several items in our collection. Um, everything from a carved folk art figure to several political cartoons, which you would imagine seeing, mm -hmm. um, and a number of government government publications, and um, also on the covers of patriotic sheet music, um, sometimes so, cards, postcards, things like that. So pretty ubiquitous fellow. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of times you'll see him associated with other countries' personifications. There's one that was mm -hmm. featured a while ago for St. Patrick's Day mm -hmm. with Uncle Sam and then the Irish um, equivalent of that, which was a patty oh, something okay. or other. Yeah. Uh, but kind of, kind of the same personification of a national, exactly. uh, of, an, of a particular country. Exactly, cool. exactly. Okay. Well, we're calling this episode the most famous poster in the world because that's how the Library of Congress uh, titled an article that I was reading about it. Mm. And, you know, who are we to argue with the Library of Congress? Right. Uh, but, you know, it got me to thinking, is that really true, you think? I mean, it, it, most famous poster in the world? Uh, maybe. I don't know. What do you think? Uh, well, the world, huh? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Uh, well, actually, the, the first description of it as uh, the most famous poster in the world uh, came, of course, from uh, James Montgomery Flake. Oh, okay, so he's promoted himself. Uh, okay. Yeah, I mean, hey, he was reportedly the highest paid magazine illustrator yeah. in the country. Um, so, you know, basically, the uh, Library of Congress probably just just uh, took Flag's idea and ran with it. Um, but I suppose you, you could make a case for yeah. it. Um, Although I think that uh, the iconic image of Che Guevara that shows up seemingly everywhere might actually be a little bit more well known outside yeah, of the United Yeah, that's a good States. point. You kind of tend to see that Che Guevara on posters, T-shirts everywhere, and I guess yeah. if you're going to go around the world, you know, he might be a little bit more recognizable. But uh, right, and it's even got to the point where you'll see uh, altercations of that Che Guevara thing. Like Stephen Colbert, for example, has oh, a T-shirt yeah. with sort of himself as Che Guevara. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. So, you know, if you're, you have to know the image of Che Guevara before mm -hmm. you can sort of make fun of it, so. But then Uncle Sam gets used for a lot of that type of thing, yeah, too. That's... Yeah, people appearing as, as Uncle Sam, whether yeah. they strike the type or not. I've seen some very rotund Uncle Sams, and, you know, so, right. yeah, I think it's, it's just one of those instantly recognizable features. You yeah. want to say America, you put a guy in a top hat with a goatee. And, yeah, yeah go although ahead, I so. have heard, too, that um, Homer Simpson might now be the most recognizable American um, in the oh, world. Okay, well, so, I mean, I can I see guess, that, too. Yeah, we could do worse. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe not. <laughs> okay, well, last question. Uncle Sam, does he still resonate with the young audience that the Army's mm. trying to recruit these days? Uh, well, <laughs> we, well, not for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> with the Army uh, trying to recruit young women into yeah. the military, uh, I think maybe somebody a little bit more uh, attractive would oh, okay. hurt. Um, Suggestions? First, uh, Matt Damon. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, hey, he looked pretty fit in the Jason Bourne movies. Yeah. yeah you know, that wouldn't be too bad. Well, I think, um, you know, if they're, if they're trying to recruit young men, too, I mean, you know. 
Megan Fox, yeah. you know. Uh, um, I, oh, I that's think, right. Yeah, Megan Fox dressed up as Uncle Sam. I, I, that might have some yeah. appeal. And I heard they're making a, uh, a Captain America film. Oh, um, no, so, true. so I suppose that whatever lead actors in that, um, yeah, he could guys kind of segue yeah, into Uncle exactly. Sam. Exactly, right. he'd be a very logical candidate. I mean, nothing, <laughs> nothing really says the U.S. like Hollywood blockbuster, and uh, <laughs> nothing personifies the American spirit more than you know, a good old superhero. All so right. I can definitely see that. But um, yeah, to get me into the army, um, you yeah. you'd definitely need Matt Damon. Matt Damon, um, okay, and, and chocolate, and chocolate. So Matt Damon, okay, chocolate. Yeah. We'll get on that. Yeah. So, okay. <laughs> okay. You hear that, military? <laughs> yeah. That's what the people want. <laughs> exactly. So, okay. Well, thanks, Laurel. Thank you. Grab your Vuvuzelas. This is a special World Cup edition of Six Degrees of William Allen White. Woohoo! Yeah! <laughs> Today, me and Bob will connect William Allen White to U.S. soccer superstar Landon Donovan. Now, if you're a regular listener and you had an answer all set for last episode's challenge connecting William Allen White to George M. Cohan, just hold on to that for a few more days until our next podcast on July 14th. And just a warning to our listeners, if you would like to try to work out William Allen White's connection to Landon Donovan on your own, stop this podcast now, and you can listen to the remainder of it for the solution at a later point in time. Yeah, we just didn't want to miss our opportunity to do the World Cup. Exactly, while we were here, so. exactly. So, have you been watching the World oh, Cup? Oh, you bet. Yeah, uh-huh. not not a huge soccer fan, but you know, you kind of get caught up in the World Cup anyway. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we've watched, and we've watched more than just the United States games too. We watched the England Germany match and uh, watched the um, first England match mm-hmm. uh, in their in their group play. You? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely had to tune in. I mean, exactly what you said. You just get yeah. really caught up in it, especially with all the crazy refing and things mm-hmm. that have been going on. Well, and the vuvuzelas. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> How can you miss yeah, them? So, well, it's interesting too because um, it's interesting to watch soccer kind of you know gain in popularity because. Um, this is really going to date me, but back in about 1967, my junior high gym coach, our gym teacher, assured us all that soccer was the coming thing and that we would all be playing it, and it pretty soon it was going to eclipse football and ba- baseball and mm-hmm. uh, still waiting for that to happen, you know, 40 years yes. later. But it is, I think, I mean, you're much more mainstream, obviously, than it used to be, and you can actually talk about the World Cup and not have people think you're talking about the coffee shop on the corner. (laughs) Exactly. exactly. And, well, who knows? You know, in the next couple of years, things might change. Could be. be. Coach Levi may still be proved right. (laughs) That's right. Exactly. Um, Well, as we've just been chatting, you know, it's been a a pretty wild time at the World Cup for the U.S. team. Um, But for those of you who aren't really familiar with some of the players on the U.S. team, um, one player that you should really know is Landon Donovan. Yep. And uh, Donovan regularly plays for the LA Galaxy in Major League Soccer. Um, he's originally from Ontario, California in San Bernardino County and is viewed as something of a protege. 
And after his dramatic last-minute goal against Algeria in the very first round of this year's World Cup in South Africa, mm -hmm. he's really the one player that everyone has been talking about. Um, so that's pretty much why we're here, to okay. provide all of you with a fun bit of trivia to impress all your friends with. <laughs> um, when he comes up in casual conversation, you, know, you can just slip this in, okay. that... Um, you know, how many of your friends are going to be able to connect him to Emporia, Kansas's William Allen White? I mean, you're just going to wow them I with know. that information. Blow them away with this one. Exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so, Bob, um, what does this football or soccer player have in uh, connection with Kansas newspaper editor William Allen White? Okay. Well, as you mentioned, Donovan, uh, Landon Donovan, is from Ontario, California. Well, in 1826, the famed mountain man and explorer Jedediah Smith passed through Ontario on the first overland journey to the west coast of North America. And on a trip to Santa Fe along what became the Santa Fe Trail, he was killed in a tussle with Comanche Indians near the Cimarron River, south of present-day Ulysses, Kansas. Okay, so... Fifty years after Smith's life ended in Ulysses, Eugene Pulliam's life began there. Now, Pulliam was a newspaper editor and businessman who's best known for founding Central Newspapers, Inc., which was a multi-billion dollar media corporation. Before working as an editor, Pulliam was a reporter from the Kansas City Star from about 1907 to 1911. So when he was a reporter for the Kansas City Star, he worked for owner William Rockhill Nelson, who owned the Star from 1880 until his death in 1915. Well, that puts Nelson at the Kansas City Star when William Allen White worked there as an editorial writer for the Star from 1892 to 1895. So um, it's a little bit convoluted, but maybe you could give us the replay on that one. Yeah, sure. Um, I'll go in a reverse, reverse order. Okay, start with... Mr. White and work back? Right, okay. right. That okay. sounds good. All right. So uh, everybody listen up. Here is the play-by-play. William Allen White's kickoff is received by William Rockhill Nelson of Kansas City Star, who makes a forward pass to Eugene C. Pulliman, who crosses to explore Jedediah Smith. And just before the Comanche Indians give him a red card in Ulysses, Kansas, he dribbles to the end line in Ontario, California, where U.S. soccer player Landon Donovan receives the pass, shoots, and... Goal! The crowd goes wild! Wow, Bob, what a match. What a match. What a match. Well, William Allen White will advance to the next podcast where he'll be connecting with George M. Cohan. It should be quite a match. So uh, join us for the next round of Six Degrees of William Allen White. We'll see you then. All right, so long, everybody. concludes episode 110, the most famous poster in the world. To see photos of James Montgomery Flagg's famous recruiting poster, go to our website, kshs.org, and click on podcasts. Do you have an opinion? Do you like to take surveys? Well, we'd love to know what you think of our podcast. So take a few minutes and head on over to the Cool Things podcast page on our website. Scroll down to the bottom of the page, click on podcast survey, and let us know what you think. Go ahead, we can take it. Come back in two weeks when Museum Assistant Director Rebecca Martin kicks off the summer season by telling us all about a bicycle built for two that was owned by several Kansas families. Riding a bike in good old flat Kansas must be a breeze, right? Well, you'd be surprised. 
Join us in two weeks to find out why. This podcast has been a production of the Kansas Historical Society. Real people, real stories. Real stories.